conversation to the world, where we turn conversation into action. Thank you for joining. This episode is titled, Mental Wellness Part 1. I wanted to take some time and get some experience in podcasting before I got to this topic, because it is undoubtedly one of the most important things anyone can be discussing right now, and also one of the most difficult subjects to talk about. I'm not sure if there's anything else that needs to be addressed on such a wide scale, as our entire human existence has both changed so dramatically in the past 100 years, but it is also changing so rapidly right now that human beings are facing many new cognitive challenges that we've never had to face before. Mental illness, mental health, mental wellness, however you refer to it, we're in the midst of a storm. And I have to say, I'm optimistic in seeing mass media campaigns, athletes, celebrities, intellectuals, teachers and professors, healthcare practitioners, etc., all moving toward addressing just how commonplace it has become to experience some form of, quote, mental illness. Let's just start here with the term, mental illness. Now, I've named this podcast Mental Wellness because if you think about it, Illness and wellness are two sides of the same coin. It's essentially the same phrase. You can't have a description for mental illness without its counterpart. So I've tried to consider instead that we're really talking about a spectrum of mental health. From 100% mentally well or 0% mentally ill, no serious problems, concerns, or setbacks, down to 0% mentally well or 100% mentally ill, which would have to be some sort of complete loss of control of reality. No matter which way the concept is explained, we're talking about the same continuum here. I can't help but think one of the major barriers in itself is that when we first begin to consider if someone we love is experiencing depression, we start to think of them as, quote, ill. I feel there could be some subconscious impact of having us associate our mental states with illnesses. And furthermore, for those who are on the outside, meaning having no experience with mental health issues personally or with someone they associate closely, there is certainly a hurdle that needs to be crossed if we're labeling people as ill based on their states of mind, which by definition are also impermanent. So moving forward, I'm going to do my very best in the podcast and in life to try not to refer to mental states as mental illnesses. I'll end this thought off by suggesting that, for example, multiple personality disorder, one of the most challenging mental wellness issues that can be managed in our society, by whose definition is this person ill? They're certainly not going to die for any biological reason. They're experiencing this life from a different perspective, that's for sure. And I just find it disheartening that some group of doctors at some point in time has decided for us all that something that is unorthodox, not standard or normal or understood, certainly can be challenging, and I would even grant it can be a hardship beyond my imagination. But it's disheartening that it's been branded as an illness. We have all these words to describe the situations in our lives. We experience hurdles, challenges, obstacles, setbacks, problems, trouble, issues. 
And then there's, I don't want to get out of bed type of depression. One of the reasons I think we have so many words to describe the negative experiences we have to go through in life could be because they're so common. Nothing really ever goes perfectly well. There's a new challenge that will arise in life. The problem here is that these words certainly aren't adequate in describing the way we actually feel about these situations. And furthermore, if I say for example that I'm sad to my family members, they have no idea what I really mean by that. How sad? Sad is arbitrary. My sad and your sad aren't the same. So let's consider perhaps looking at ideas pertaining to mental wellness from a different perspective. I'll state clearly before I dive in here that things are going to get sensitive. The content might be challenging from an emotional perspective because this is an emotional topic. I'm no expert and I'm not claiming I can help anyone. All I want to do here is push the limits of my own and your thoughts. Science in our lifetime has progressed so far that we are living in a utopia compared to what most humans have lived through for the duration of the human experience. But one of the areas of science that still remains an almost untapped mystery is that of consciousness, the brain, and physics at the quantum scale. I feel like one more caveat is needed to be mentioned before I dive in. I acknowledge that there are extensive fields of research into behavior and psychoanalysis, breakthroughs in neuroscience and neuroimaging scans. So I'm not saying that as a collective we are completely in the dark here, but what I have seen quite clearly is that the experts in these fields have not done the best job in passing along their findings in terms of a framework that is digestible and operable for most people. Most of us haven't spent time in the literature and research, and it hasn't been transmitted for people to learn what we know about how most human beings generally operate well. So, okay, as a sentient creature on this planet, there are a plethora of strategies for how to survive. We happen to be the only species on the planet we know of with this unique high level of consciousness. We are three-dimensional creatures experiencing the fourth dimension, time, in a linear, uniform direction. We perceive past, present, and can construct multiple possible futures. Biologically, we can say it's generally in our best interest to interact in a positive, cooperative way with those around us, as we need others to survive in order for us to thrive. Maslow outlined the pyramid of needs we're familiar with, and it's more than just biological. Cognitively, we need to be a part of something. We need a purpose. We need to feel valued by others, and we need connection. We should acknowledge that at the quantum level, I just feel compelled to include this because it's so interesting. But at the very, very smallest of scales, our particles are interacting in ways that are so mysterious. They seem so connected that it has led to some of the most outrageous sounding theories about what our universe and consciousness actually is. My favorite is that the universe all could actually just be one electron moving very, very fast. But if we recognize that there are some basic requirements needed for survival, we can look at how certain societies either nurture these elements, ignore them, and everything in between. 
we have the ability to experience so much in the bodies we inhabit. I already pointed out that we all at some point experience some sort of hurdle, but maybe that's because that's how our bodies and minds were designed, for lack of a better word. We are, each of us, just a soup of experience. Highs and lows, ups and downs. And in order to appreciate the positive, we need a negative frame of reference just to know what good is. It's plausible that everything in the universe is preordained, in a sense. That time isn't linear, we're just experiencing it that way. If that's the case, we're literally just experiencing what has already happened. And we have no choice but to accept that there are highs and lows. I happen to think it's much more complicated than that, and we actually have the ability to frame the way we think and feel about situations. But it's important to point out, the lack of control we really have in whether good or bad things are going to happen, and whether or not we are disposed to interpret something as good or bad. To circle back, I feel the first fundamental aspect of the mental wellness conversation needs to be the recognition that A. Everyone is experiencing some sort of challenge. It's okay to be down. B. Every experience is necessary. The good, the bad, and they're all transitory and that they can't last forever. And C. If we stopped approaching this subject like it was an illness and rather just a normal facet of life and existence, consider how much more open people might be to sharing their thoughts and struggles when they really need help. So the idea here that I can't come to understand that's been on my mind for quite some time is of severe depression and thoughts of or the taking of one's own life. Suicide rates are rising in certain demographics in certain areas around the world, but thankfully in decline generally, contrary to what it might seem. But let's take the creating utopia angle here and think about this differently. Let's ask ourselves, at what age do people start to think about death in general? Can we agree that by the time someone is 15, they've considered what death means, and by the time they're 20, most people know that life is impermanent and it will come to an end one day? I'm not suggesting that this information is fully realized or appreciated, but to think that by the time someone is 20, if they haven't come across the ideas and implications of life and death, I'm not sure they'll be well suited to manage many obstacles that come their way. Now, death in general is not a controversial thing to talk about, but it is something that I think is rarely discussed. I would assume this is because the answer to what comes after death is uncertain, and because of how much stress and worry and sadness that dying usually entails. But so if we all know about death, and regardless of what you think, if anything, comes after life. We all realize that the physical body is going to die. So then, how far from that commonplace thought is it? How unreasonable is it to think about how you're going to die, when you want to die, if you want to die, what might happen if you did die? Suicidal thoughts are just one short step away from thoughts that we all have. Taking your own life is certainly something I don't think anyone should want to do. I actually wish I had the chance to talk to those who I knew, 
even though I only slightly knew them, who've taken their own life before they did. And I know that feeling of wanting one more conversation is shared by many who know someone who followed through with their darkest thoughts in this realm. But I can say without a doubt that I can't blame anyone for having thought about the implications of taking their own life. And I would seriously doubt that most people haven't at least thought about it from an ethereal, I'd never actually do it type of standpoint. I want to plant a flag here. The real purpose of this episode is to try to share that if we could just be honest, without being labeled as crazy or unstable, or stigmatized for the rest of our lives as ill, then we could at least open lines of communication to discuss what these feelings mean, why we're having them, and what we can do about them. This is what therapy is kind of all about, but many people can't afford therapy, and many wouldn't go even if they could. Despair, hopelessness, helplessness. These feelings are not uncommon, and there are some of us, there's someone you most likely know, having these feelings on a daily basis, and we might not even know it about them. I want to quit my job. I want to leave my spouse. I want to move away. I want this all to end. It's not crazy to have a thought. Maybe I'm biased because of how 1984 and Christopher Hitchens has influenced me, but this seems to me like a form of thought crime. How many people feel, I can't even tell my family that I don't want to live anymore because of the negative repercussions that might follow. Are they going to medicate me? Are they going to put me in a jail cell because I'm crazy? It's just another piece of evidence in my eyes or another Jenga block that is pulled out from under the person experiencing this type of severe depression. Our thoughts are to encourage our friends to just get up and get out there or go face the day or tell them, hey, it's okay whatever you, you do feel, you know, do whatever you can. Go exercise. Go get some fresh air. But I know that's what someone who just needs a push would need to hear. If I was near someone experiencing severe depression, I'd just spend my time asking them why they feel this way. What it feels like. I'd ask if there's anything that makes it better. I'd let them know that they're not alone, that they're loved. Remind them of the good things they've got to look forward to. The last thing I want to do is suggest that someone needs to do something. And the last thing I will do is suggest they're ill, make them feel ill, call them ill, because of their negative thought patterns. But this podcast is and always will be for everyone. Maybe you feel mentally well. Maybe it's occasional anxiety or sleepless nights or something that just doesn't feel right in our lives. All we can do is recognize that this is what life is. A series of obstacles, challenges, and hurdles thrown at us for no apparent reason or even a downright negative reason. For example, I used to have severe anxiety when talking to strangers, always feeling belittled in a way and, and treated like a child, probably because I'm around 5'7 and could pass for a high schooler, maybe a middle schooler, even today. So we can look at that and see it as a problem and avoid it because it's hard and it hurts and it makes me uncomfortable. Or we can choose to see it as a door that we can open. 
We might fall down on the other side, and it might hurt, and it could be even worse through that door than where we started. But the more we venture into the realm within us that makes us uncomfortable, the more we see how powerful we are in changing it, fixing it, improving ourselves. It's like, just think, you were never taught how to empower yourself at any point in life. And you don't learn how to notice your thoughts or steer them. There's so much we aren't taught, perhaps because we need to go within ourselves to find the answers. We need to look at ourselves, not as ill, just look at the hurdles and start running right for them. Now for the final segment, how to create utopia. I hope my ramblings on this subject made some sense. It's delicate and difficult to find the proper words to use, but I've tried to just shine light on the thought that maybe mental illness is the wrong way to conceptualize this issue. And perhaps if personal thoughts weren't viewed so negatively from the general outside world, that we could talk about, say, feelings of depression long before someone finds themselves stuck in bed for a week without any discernible drive. To quote a very wise person, we need to start having different conversations. We create utopia in this space by striving to be as open as we can. All we can do is encourage others to open up to us, to share how they're really feeling deep down. What I like to do is look at everyone I see as if they're my friend and look at my friends like they're my family. When you adopt an attitude of kindness and compassion for everyone, you start to see that there are indescribable benefits for both yourself, but also for those you engage with. You can never quantify how much it means to the employee at the fast food restaurant when you tell them you really appreciate how hard they're working. You don't know how the small interaction of just a wave to the lady walking in your neighborhood might make her feel. But we can create a world that our minds want to be a part of if we get in the habit of engaging with strangers as if they were the people that really matter to us. Because no matter how you look at it, they do matter to us. Their happiness is tied to your happiness. Others succeeding makes everyone's lives better. We're all pursuing mental wellness, whether we're cognizant of it or not. The problem is the strategies we're adopting. Get money, fame, possessions. What if you changed your internal metrics to something like get smiles, pleasant conversations, and do good deeds? The next episode on mental wellness will focus more on the structural mechanisms at place that can dictate the way we feel and what we can actually do about it. But for now, we create utopia and pursue mental wellness for not only ourselves but for others by contributing to the happiness and well-being of whomever we can. Life is a roller coaster ride, ups and downs, twists and turns. But in the end, there's no reason not to enjoy it, because it's the only ride we've got. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Creating Utopia. Follow me on Twitter at creating underscore utopia. Make sure to ask questions, comment. I'll make every effort to reply to them all. If you found the podcast useful, please share it with a friend. And stay tuned for the next podcast, which will be on socialism.